0: Chapter twenty four of the Turn of the Screw by Henry James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My sense of how he received this suffered for a minute from something that I can describe only as a fierce split of my attention. A stroke that at first, as I sprang straight up, reduced me to the mere blind movement of getting hold of him, drawing him close, and while I just fell for support against the nearest piece of furniture, instinctively keeping him with his back to the window. The appearance was full upon us that I had already had to deal with here. Peter Quint had come into view like a sentinel before a prison. The next thing I saw was that from outside he had reached the window, and then I knew that, close to the glass and glaring in through it, he offered once more to the room his white face of damnation, It represents but grossly what took place within me at the sight, to say that on the second my decision was made. Yet I believe that no woman so overwhelmed ever in so short a time recovered her grasp of the act. It came to me in the very horror of the immediate presence that the act would be, seeing and facing what I saw and faced, to keep the boy himself unaware. The inspiration—I call it by no other name—was that I felt how voluntarily, how transcendently I might. It was like fighting with a demon for a human soul, and when I had fairly so appraised it, I saw how the human soul, held out in the tremor of my hands at arm's length, had a perfect dew of sweat on a lovely childish forehead. The face that was close to mine was as white as the face against the glass, and out of it presently came a sound, not low nor weak, but as if from much further away, that I drank like a waft of fragrance. Yes, I took it. At this, with a moan of joy, I enfolded, I drew him close, and while I held him to my breast, where I could feel in the sudden fever of his little body the tremendous pulse of his little heart, I kept my eyes on the thing at the window, and saw it move and shift its posture. I have likened it to a sentinel, but its slow wheel for a moment was rather the prowl of a baffled beast. My present quickened courage, however, was such that, not too much to let it through, I had to shade, as it were, my flame. Meanwhile the glare of the face was again at the window, the scoundrel fixed, as if to watch and wait. It was the very confidence that I might now defy him, as well as the positive certitude by this time of the child's unconsciousness, that made me go on. What did you take it for? To see what you said about me. You opened the letter?" I opened it. My eyes were now, as I held him off a little again, on Miles's own face, in which the collapse of mockery showed me how complete was the ravage of uneasiness. What was prodigious was that, at last, by my success, his sense was sealed and his communication stopped. He knew that he was in presence, but knew not of what, and knew still less that I also was and that I did know. And what did this strain of trouble matter when my eyes went back to the window, only to see that the air was clear again, and, by my personal triumph, the influence quenched? There was nothing there. I felt that the cause was mine, and that I should surely get all. And you found nothing? I let my elation out. He gave the most mournful, thoughtful little headshake. Nothing! 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 I almost shouted in my joy. Nothing! Nothing! he sadly repeated. I kissed his forehead. It was drenched. So what have you done with it? I've burned it. Burned it? It was now or never. Is that what you did at school? Oh, what this brought up! At school! Did you take letters, or other things?" "'Other things?" He appeared now to be thinking of something far off, and that reached him only through the pressure of his anxiety. Yet it did reach him. "'Did I steal?' I felt myself redden to the roots of my hair, as well as wonder if it were more strange to put to a gentleman such a question, or to see him take it with allowances that gave the very distance of his fall in the world. Was it for that you mightn't go back?" The only thing he felt was rather a dreary little surprise. "'Did you know I mightn't go back?' "'I know everything.' He gave me at this the longest and strangest look. "'Everything?' "'Everything. Therefore, did you?' But I couldn't say it again. Miles could, very simply. No. I didn't steal." My face must have shown him that I believed him utterly, yet my hands—but it was for pure tenderness—shook him, as if to ask him why, if it was all for nothing, he had condemned me to months of torment. "'What, then, did you do?' He looked in vague pain all round the top of the room, and drew his breath two or three times over, as if it was with difficulty. He might have been standing at the bottom of the sea, and raising his eyes to some faint green twilight. "'Well, I said things—' "'Only that?' "'They thought it was enough—' "'To turn you out for?' "'Never truly had a person turned out shown so little to explain it as this little person. He appeared to weigh my question, but in a manner quite detached and almost helpless. "'Well, I suppose I oughtn't—' But to whom did you say them?" He evidently tried to remember, but it dropped. He had lost it. "'I don't know.' He almost smiled at me, in the desolation of his surrender, which was indeed practically by this time so complete that I ought to have left it there. But I was infatuated, I was blind with victory, though even then the very effect that was to have brought him so much nearer was already that of added separation. Was it to every one?" I asked. No, it was only to—but he gave a sick little head-shake. I don't remember their names. Were they then so many? No, only a few—those I liked. Those he liked? I seemed to float not into clearness but into a darker obscure, and within a minute there had come to me out of my very pity the appalling alarm of his being perhaps innocent. It was for the instant confounding and bottomless, for if he were innocent, what then on earth was I? Paralysed while it lasted by the mere brush of the question, I let him go a little, so that, with a deep-drawn sigh, he turned away from me again, which, as he faced toward the clear window, I suffered, feeling that I had nothing now there to keep him from. And did they repeat what you said?" I went on after a moment. He was soon at some distance from me, still breathing hard and again with the air, though now without anger for it, of being confined against his will. Once more, as he had done before, he looked up at the dim day, as if of what had hitherto sustained him nothing was left but an unspeakable anxiety. "'Oh, yes,' he nevertheless replied, "'they must have repeated them.' to those they liked," he added. There was somehow less of it than I'd expected, but I turned it over. And these things came round? To the masters? Oh, yes," he answered very simply. But I didn't know they'd tell. The masters? They didn't. They've never told. That's why I ask you. He turned to me again his little beautiful fevered face. Yes, It was too bad." Too bad? What, I suppose, I sometimes said—to write home. I can't name the exquisite pathos of the contradiction given to such a speech by such a speaker. I only know that the next instant I heard myself throw off with homely force. Stuff and nonsense! But the next after that I must have sounded stern enough. What were these things? my sternness was for all his judge, his executioner, yet it made him avert himself again, and that movement made me, with a single bound and an irrepressible cry, spring straight upon him. For there again, against the glass, as if to blight his confession and stay his answer, was the hideous author of our woe, the white face of damnation, I felt a sick swim at the drop of my victory, and all the return of my battle, so that the wildness of my veritable leap only served as a great betrayal. I saw him, from the midst of my act, meet it with a divination, and on the perception that even now he only guessed, and that the window was still to his own eyes free, I let the impulse flame up to convert the climax of his dismay into the very proof of his liberation. "'No more! No more! No more!' I shrieked as I tried to press him against me, to my visitant. "'Is she here?' Miles panted, as he caught with his sealed eyes the direction of my words. Then as his strange she staggered me, and with a gasp I echoed it—'Miss Jessel! Miss Jessel!' he with a sudden fury gave me back. I seized, stupefied, his supposition some sequel to what he had done to Flora but this made me only want to show him that it was better still than that. "'It's not, Miss Jessel, but it's at the window, straight before us. It's there—the coward horror—there for the last time!' At this, after a second in which his head made the movement of a baffled dog's on scent, and then gave a frantic little shake for air and light, he was at me in a white rage, bewildered, glaring vainly over the place, and missing wholly, though it now to my sense filled the room like the taste of poison, the wide, overwhelming presence. It's he! I was so determined to have all my proof that I flashed into ice to challenge him. Whom do you mean by he? Peter Quint! You devil! His face gave again round the room its convulsed supplication. Where? They are in my ears still his supreme surrender of the name, and his tribute to my devotion. What does he matter now, my own? What will he ever matter? I have you," I launched at the beast, but he has lost you for ever. Then for the demonstration of my work, there, there," I said to Miles. But he had already jerked straight round, stared, glared again and seen but the quiet day. With the stroke of the loss I was so proud of, he uttered the cry of a creature hurled over an abyss, and the grasp with which I recovered him might have been that of catching him in his fall. I caught him, yes, I held him. It may be imagined with what a passion! But at the end of a minute I began to feel what it truly was that I held. We were alone with the quiet day and his little heart, dispossessed, had stopped. End of chapter 24 End of the Turn of the Screw by Henry James Read by Elizabeth Clett